you talking about? Practice. World champions. Next question. Who am I? I'm the greatest. Who am I? I'm so flagrant. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Take Off with John Clark, presented by NJM Insurance. Please rate and review this podcast wherever you're listening to your podcast. And maybe give me an idea of how many wins you think the Eagles are going to have this year. And please subscribe for free wherever you're listening to your podcasts. The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. And let's welcome in Eagles great Brian Westbrook. It is always good to see you, B-West. Hey, John. It's always good to be seen and certainly seen by you, man. You continue to do a great job. I'm super excited to be here today. Well, hey, look, I appreciate you doing this, and you're doing a lot of stuff with DraftKings this year. We're going to get into that. Uh, They may need a Brian Westbrook punt return to help save this season right now here in Philly. Uh, What do you see from the one in three birds at this point and how the rest of the season is going to go here? Well, listen, they're struggling right now to win games. And I kind of came into the season thinking that they would struggle just a bit to win games. You have a young team, you got a young coach, and at your most important position, you have Jalen Hurts, who just doesn't have a bunch of experience um, playing in the NFL. And so because of those things, I thought this season would go similar to the way that it has. But the most important thing this year is about progress. Can you get a little bit better? Can you improve in certain areas? It may not come in the form of wins. Um, but it has to come in the form of your play. Can you play better? Can you carry a football team? Can you complete the balls that you haven't been able to complete early on in the season? If we see a better team in October, in November, in December, than we saw in January, then I think that's a good thing for this football team. So what do you see as positives? I know you liked how Jalen Hurts performed. What are you seeing as positives on offense uh, in this past game? Well, I start with the coach. I think Nick Sirianni did a really good job of, especially early on, he used motion, he used some shifts, and I know he's kind of gone back and forth with whether he wants to use that or not, but he did use motion and shifts to his advantage in this game. And because of that, he was able to spread the ball around to a lot of different guys, especially in that first half, getting a lot of different guys in space. You have speed guys, you have guys that can make people miss and get yards. All they have to do is get them in space. And I think early on in that game, Nick Sirianni did a very good job of getting the ball in a lot of different people's hands and keeping the defense off balance. And that's very important. So I saw some progress there actually from, from the Dallas game. He got a lot better from the Dallas game to this Kansas City game with just that small thing. And again, we're looking for progress. We're looking for the coach to be better and the players to get better as well. Because Nick Sirianni did such a good job of play calling, it made Jalen Hurst's job much easier. I mean, he played much better. He completed the ball. He was in rhythm. He got the ball out accurately and early. And I think because of that, he was able to get things going a little bit earlier uh, for this football team. And you end the game with no punts. If you can do that, you're going to win some of those games. They just played against one of the best teams in the NFL. All right. Now, Devontae Smith. Uh, when you take a look at the routes that he runs mm-hmm. and the things he's able to do, you play with some great receivers in your time with the Eagles. 
How would you compare his route running ability and his ability to go up and catch that ball? Well, we, we saw him in college and we, we know he was the best receiver coming out of Alabama last year. Um, still a very good route runner. I mean, still very proficient. I mean, just the things he's able to do with his body, the movement, the cuts, you don't see a lot of young guys with that ability coming into the NFL with the ability to get open off the line of scrimmage versus man-to-man. Just does a great job of that. And I, I actually, when you think about it, I probably wasn't surprised by that. That's something that he's been doing throughout his entire career, especially at Alabama. And so I'm not surprised by that. I think he's still, there's still some work to be done in this, when you talk about strength at the point of the catch. But, you know, he's already halfway there. He's there to that point. And that maturity and that work that I'm talking about, that's going to come with time. That's going to come with reps. That's going to come with time on the field and games being played. And so I expect him to continue to go out there and do special things on the field. Seven catches, 122 yards last week uh, against the, the Chiefs. That was impressive. Now he has to go out there and prove that he can do it again. And for him, it has to become a weekend and week out type of thing. That consistency is going to be the sign of a very good football player. Well, you know from your time in Philly, we are still monitoring the number of carries that the running backs get here in Philly. And you're looking at Miles Sanders here. Uh, He averages, I guess, third or fourth best yards per carry and yards per touch since he's come into the league. But I'm looking over the last two weeks, two carries in Dallas, seven carries against the Chiefs. And this past game, Kenny Gainwell had almost as many touches as Miles Sanders. What do you think's going on here? Well, I know this. I know and first of all, I like I like Miles Sanders an awful lot. I think he's explosive. I think he's a big play type of player. A guy, when you put the ball in his hands, you put him in space, he can turn five-yard gains into touchdowns. So there, this is not a, a knock on him because I think he has that skill set. He just needs to touch the football, and that's up to Nick Sirianni and his play calling. I, I know a lot of the things that he's doing as far as a play caller are all about um, RPOs, and it comes down to a run-pass option. If the defense is presenting you a situation where you should throw the ball, Jalen Hurts has been very consistent where he's going to try to throw the football down the field um, in those options. And so some of those plays get out of Miles Sanders' hands pretty quickly. But when you talk about Kenny Gainwell, you have a guy that can run every route in your route tree. He's going to catch the ball efficiently. He's going to be good after the catch as well. And when you have a guy, especially when the defense can't substitute, that can be a receiver and running back, it's just hard to take that guy out of the game, similar to myself, because you get such an advantage when you have the ability to say, okay, everybody, all 11 guys stay on the field, and now we're going to go to our next look. And it may have been a run-pass look, or it may be a, a, a run look where you want to be able to go out there and run the football effectively. He can do that very well, and he can run routes well too. So he's a, one of those guys that I would call a multiple guy. He can do multiple things on the football field and still be very effective. So what do you think the future is for Miles Sanders? Because we saw Kenny Gainwell. I think he caught seven balls or something like that. It looks like they're using him in the passing game. Or what do you think the future is for Miles Sanders? And look, you were a part of a, a triplet, triplets of running backs. You had a trio of running backs. So how, how difficult is it to navigate if you're Miles Sanders wondering like, hey, am I going to get mine? Well, listen, it's difficult to navigate. And it was one of those things that I had to get used to as well. When you're used to touching the ball 15, 20 times a game to go down to less than 10, it's just hard to figure out how you're going to be successful that way, especially as a running back 
uh, with getting those types of numbers. And so he has to understand this is a this is a group effort with him and Kenny Gainwell. And I believe that there are going to be parts in this season where Miles Sanders is going to be the bell cow, where he's going to touch the ball 20 times in a game. And we're going to be like, oh, that's the Miles Sanders uh, that we've been looking for. At this point, it's all about reps. It's all about him getting his touches. And right now, he's just not getting a lot of touches. Is it a problem? Do you think that Jalen Hurts has been the leading rusher for the Eagles the last three games? I don't think it's a problem. I think he's been successful running the football. When I watch him, he's going back. He's trying to go through a couple of reads in his progression. And then he's saying, hey, I might as well take this 10, 15 yards down the field uh, to be successful running the football. And, you know, any quarterback in the league would do that. Uh, there's a bunch of quarterbacks that don't have the speed, that wish they had the same type of speed and athletic ability that Jalen Hurts has um, to be successful, to be able to run the ball. He just has a combination of athletic ability pocket awareness that allows him to run the football successfully and he's done a very good job of it you saw uh, LaShawn McCoy retire as an eagle last weekend and he was at the link and you know I was looking over those numbers again Shady is the all-time leader in in Eagles history as far as rushing yards and then I looked at you number three and I kind of added up the snaps the carries uh, Shady he averaged about 16 carries a game you averaged 12 so if you had gotten the ball, let's say 16 carries a game, you're the Eagles' all-time leading rusher, am I right? Listen, LaShawn McCoy uh, deserves all the credit. He, he you know, he, from the time he came into the league, I think his rookie year, he had 600, 700 yards um, rushing, almost 400 yards receiving. He was impressive when he came in. There's no doubt about it. Um, he earned that. He earned to be the Eagles all-time leading rusher. He just does some special things with the ball in his hands. One of the most important things that for a running back is being able to make the first man miss. And he consistently did that throughout his career. So, you know, 12 years in the league, over 15,000 yards of total offense, 89 touchdowns. That's impressive stats for anyone. LaShawn McCoy, you know, just an Eagles great, a guy that I watched grow up, a guy that I helped mentor, especially early on in his career. Super happy for him. That is awesome. Do you think he's a pro football Hall of Famer? The numbers support it. Listen, if you get close to that 12,000-yard mark as far as rushing yards, and I think he has a little over 11,000, he has a bunch of receiving yards, probably over 3,000 yards receiving, and he has a bunch of touchdowns. You're talking about a six-time pro bowler, a two-time Super Bowl champ, a guy that has gotten it done. Those numbers speak volumes. When you talk about over the last 10, 15 years of football, who was one of the best running backs in that period? LaShawn McCoy's name will be mentioned. So because of that, I think he probably is a Hall of Famer. You know, we did an event before the pandemic, and you had some great stories because I know running backs, they want to get the football, and, and you wanted to get the football. Can yes. you tell us one of those stories about those phone calls you used to make in the team hotel <laughs> the night before games? Because I think that's oh. an awesome story. Well, there were times where somehow I would get the room list of all the coaches and the players too. And so I would just call Marty Morningwig and Brad Childress up and just say, hey, run the ball tomorrow, run. They, they never they never assumed it was me. They never thought it was me, but I would call them up and just say that. And then I hang up and, you know, it was kind of honest fun for me, but I always wanted to touch the ball. I wanted to make sure that, you know, I contributed to our team winning. Um, and, and, you know, I usually did, usually got those touches that I needed, but there were some times where I'm like, hey man, we need to talk. We need to have a conversation because I want to touch the ball a little bit more, especially in the run game. 
Did they ever come up and ask you if it was you calling on the other end? <laughs> they never did. They never did. And they haven't said anything to me yet. So hopefully they won't see this and start ringing my phone. <laughs> so, so it's interesting because running backs, it seems like they're constantly evolving in the NFL and their lifespan is not as long as the average player because of, of the pounding that they take every time they run with the ball. Do you think it's almost now where running backs have to be able to catch the ball out of the backfield as well to be in these games? It has a dimension. I mean, it, when you have a guy, well, let, let's say Derrick Henry. I mean, you have that guy, you're going to hand him the ball 25 times a game, and he's going to get you 150, 200 yards, but he's also 6'3", 250 pounds. That's what their offense is built around. When you have smaller guys, you hope that they're able to catch the ball out of the backfield because, again, it gives your offense a lot of different variations that you can certainly have, and that's a big part to your success. Yeah, defense have become so specialized and so good at stopping offenses. If you can keep them off balance by having a run pass option, now you now you're dictating to the defense instead of them dictating to you. That's huge in the success of offenses in this day and age. And so anytime that you can get these guys in space and hand them the football and they keep that same defense on the field, spread them out and then have them run a route. That's a valuable piece, especially at the running back position. So the Eagles now at one and three, they're going to be going down to Carolina. Don't know if Christian McCaffrey is going to be able to play, but there's probably no one better at that right now. Uh, you're doing a lot of work for DraftKings this year. I'm looking at one and three. Then you got to go to Carolina. Then the Eagles see Tom Brady in Tampa Bay on a short week. Then they've got some trips out to face the Oakland Raiders. Uh, and then you've got games with the Lions Denver on the road, and then New Orleans at the link mixed in. Give us an idea through the eyes of someone that's working with DraftKings this year, especially this game coming up against Carolina. Uh, what are some of these bets out there that people can make? Well, I'll tell you this. The Eagles won't be favored in a lot of these games. I don't think they're favored down in Carolina this week. But, you know, I would focus on the prop bets. I would, I would start thinking about who's going to score the first touchdown for the Eagles. How many rushing yards will Jalen Hurts have? Start looking at some of those things. Will we get turnovers? Those are the prop bets that DraftKings just does a great job at. They have so many prop bets, so many different offerings. They allow you to get into the game, the skin in the game type of players uh, that they have. They allow them to get in for a low price and hopefully win a bunch of money. And that's what DraftKings is all about. One thing I love about them, and I will say this, is integrity. They want you to have fun, they want you to bet money, of course, but they also want you to stay within your limits. They want you to bet wisely and not go over your limit. And to me, that's very, very important, especially with so much sports betting going on out here. Understand your limits and stay within them. DraftKings does a great job with uh, their sports book as well as their daily fantasy. And so anytime you can hop on that site, you'll always find something that you can that you can wager on and enjoy it. Have some fun at it. Well, uh, a lot of people who bet, uh, fantasy football guys, uh, they're probably really upset when you have three Eagles touchdowns negated by penalties. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Right now, the Eagles lead the NFL with 44 penalties. It's the most they've ever had in team history through the first four games. From your experience with the Eagles and the NFL, what can Nick Sirianni honestly do with the players to clean this up? Well, the penalties have been a discipline thing. There are almost a lot of just pre-snap penalties, linemen downfield. That's discipline. That's focus. Um, that, that goes back to practice. I think Nick Sirianni is a very sharp coach, but he's still a very young coach as well. So figuring out how to discipline your players within practice, 
making sure their focus is laser sharp, especially during practice and on game days. That's going to be his task to try to figure out here because what you can't do is have a young team, have a young coach that's going to make some mistakes just because they're young and, you know, you're playing against better teams and then you have penalties on top of that. It's almost impossible to win that way. If you can clean up those penalties, then that game actually changes course just a little bit. It looks a little bit different if some of those uh, field goals or some of those non-conversions are actually touchdowns. That game takes a different course. And so your team is a much better team when you're more disciplined. Nick Sirianni is going to have to figure that out. Some families, when their kids are growing up, they have the curse jar. You know, you got to pay. You got to put some money in that jar if you curse. Mm -hmm. Uh, have you ever been a part of a, a team where they had maybe a jar or something like that, where if you commit penalties, you got to pay, you got to put some money in that pot? You know, we've never been a part of any team that that had those types of things. But I, I will say this. When I was in San Fran, Mike Singletary was a coach and we had a fumbling problem, not me, but just the other guys holding on to the football in the next practice, actually the whole next week, he made everyone on the team, every last person, offense, defense and coaches hold footballs throughout the entire practice. And he would walk around and try to poke those balls out. And if he poked the ball out, he made you run a lap. Now, I don't think that's a very good coaching technique, but that's something that he implemented just to make sure that we were focused on holding on to the football. Um, and, and after that, I think we did a pretty good job of holding on to the football. So maybe maybe it did work. I, I think you want to focus on practice a little bit more than trying to hold on to a football. But I think for, for us at that point, it did work. What is your level of frustration when you see two Eagles touchdowns over the last couple of weeks come back because the receiver stepped out of bounds? It was Jalen Rager first and Devontae Smith. What's the teaching point there for these guys? Because you're taking touchdowns off the board. Well, it's the receiver's job. This is their job to know where they're at on the field. That, that's the most important part. You're going to be working with, within, you know, the lines, within, um, you know, a couple of steps, a couple of inches of that, that out of bounds line. And you have to be able to navigate that well. One of the big things for receivers is, you know, that that toe tag, that 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 toe drag, actually. And so they understand what the lines are for and they know understand the rules. They have to stay inside. They have to be more conscious of where they're at on the field. Uh, both of those receivers are polished enough to be able to do that. Um, I, I would chalk those up to young kids, young player mistakes. Um, that's something that should be corrected very quickly here. Brian, this uh, Eagles defense the last couple of weeks, they've given up 41-plus points back-to-back -back weeks. Obviously, you're facing two of the better offenses in the NFL. Uh, how much of it do you think is Jonathan Gannon's scheme versus the players that they have? It's probably a little bit of both. I mean, I don't know that they have the, the players that they, they want to play that 3-4 scheme in some situations. And this is the first year for Jonathan Gannon calling the plays and things like that. So if we talk about the offense and the young players that they have there, you got a young coordinator on the other side that's figuring things, figuring his way out through the NFL, um, making his play calls and things like that. I also believe that the personnel is not where he wants it to be. He wants a little bit different personnel. And, and unfortunately, you can't go recruit more guys. You can't go say, hey, man, I'm going to go recruit the best players um, in the country in high school, you got to kind of play with the guys that you dealt with, at least for this season, and hopefully improve in the offseason. And that's something that the Eagles certainly need to do. Jonathan Gannon did say for that touchdown where Eric Wilson, uh, you know, was on some of the speedy receivers for the Chiefs and they gave up the touchdown to Tyreek Hill. He said that was a mistake having Eric Wilson on him, obviously, but he doesn't believe in having a dime defense out there, uh, a dime package. Mm -hmm. Do you think 
that in this day and age when teams can spread you out like the Chiefs and line up four fast guys out there, that at some point you do have to have a package with five or six DBs on the field? Probably be nice. But again, if you don't have the personnel to put five DBs out there, six DBs out there, you can't run that personnel. Or you're putting someone out there that should not be on the football field. And without saying it, I would imagine that's probably what Jonathan Gannon is trying to play, is trying to say, that he doesn't have the personnel to throw out a dime package at this point, because if he did, then he would do it. The other part that I know Andy Reid uh, would have done is if you go dime, which is basically uh, four DBs and then two more guys on the inside and then that middle linebacker, you're going to run the football. We saw how Clyde Edwards-Elair ran the football against us this past week, and so that's something that Andy Reid certainly would have done. He probably would have ran the ball more if that dime defense was out there. Um, so it's it's, it's kind of uh, six in one hand, a half dozen in the other. Uh, Jonathan Gannon, again, has to get the personnel that's required for that defense to work. I'm not sure that he has it at this point. How big of a loss do you think Brandon Graham is for the Eagles? And when you watch the film, the big question in Philly right now is, Fletcher Cox, is he the same player? He doesn't have the stats. He gets double teamed sometimes, maybe more than half the time, but is Fletcher Cox not the same player that he was? Well, when you lose a, a the heart and soul of a football team of, like Brandon Graham, things don't get better when that happens. Things get worse. Um, he's a guy that's going to create havoc coming from the outside, then he slides inside and can play a, a tackle position as well. Brandon Graham... When you talk about the motor, him and Trent Cole remind me of the same guy. They just have a motor. They just get it done. They play the run. They play the pass. They're 15 yards downfield. They're making a play after trying to sack the quarterback on a running back, you know, 20 yards downfield. That's the type of player Brandon Graham is. And so when you lose that guy, it's hard to replace him, almost impossible to replace him. And that pressure has fallen to Fletcher Cox just a bit. Fletcher's had a slow start. You're right. He has been double teamed. Uh, I think that Fletcher is one of these guys. He's a crafty old vet that I, I, as the season goes on, we'll see better play from Fletcher Cox. I'm not, I'm not as worried about him at this point. I think they have some other issues to be concerned with, but Fletcher Cox has to play better. He certainly has to play better. Uh, but right now I'm not, he, I, I think he'll get that done. I'm not as worried about him at this point. Overall, how are you feeling about the Eagles where they are at as an organization? They're in transition, obviously. And they're trying to get some young players. They've got some veterans mixed in. Do you think that they have enough quality young players that can kind of bridge the gap and then maybe with a good draft next year, build this thing up again? I mean, where do you think they are for the overall future of the organization? Well, you're right. They're in transition. They're trying to figure out um, what's the best use of draft picks and young guys and old guys. And, you know, I think it's going to be one of those time will tell type of deals. They certainly have some talent. When you look offensively, they have talent. They have guys with speed that can make things happen with the ball in their hands. They have to figure out if Jalen Hurts is the guy. Is he going to be good enough uh, to carry this team into the future, being the franchise quarterback? That's something that they will figure out this season. Uh, defensively, same type of thing. You got to get a little bit younger on that front line. You got to get a little bit more active. You need some guys, especially coming off the edge, that are going to make plays. Uh, we see Hargrave has looked great. Now he needs some guys around him that can that can help him. That linebacker core has to step up a little bit more too. And so there are a team in transition, and you can't fill every position in one year. It's going to take some time to fill those positions. I would think that next year they're going to use some draft picks on the defensive side of the ball early on in the draft. 
Do you see in Jalen Hurts that he can be a franchise quarterback with the Eagles? We'll have to see how the season goes. Um, you know, it, I think it would be too, it would be immature uh, to, 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 to premature to, to come out here and say he is or he isn't. He's not a finished product yet. Um, and I, I didn't expect him to be a finished product after what four games this season and then four games last year starting. I think he's going to be a work in progress. We'll see if he works in this offense. Um, but, but you got to give the kids some time. He hasn't had enough time in this offense. It looked good. 380 plus yards this past weekend, two touchdowns, most importantly, no interceptions. That's important. Um, but he has to be able to find his way. And I think during the course of the season, uh, Nick Sirianni and Jalen Hurst certainly will find their way. And at that point, we'll find, figure out if he's a guy that can carry us on into the next 10 years with this franchise. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. <sighs> is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Some insurance companies use jingles and mascots, but not NJM. When you're up front with your customers, you don't need gimmicks. NJM, no jingles or mascots. Just great insurance. Get a quote today at NJM.com. A couple final questions for you before we end with a, a pick from you uh, with your experience with DraftKings this year. We'll get your pick for Eagles, Panthers. Uh, I know I've seen you at Sixers games, and this Ben Simmons holdout is wild. Uh, mm -hmm. Like, who's going to blink first? Uh, ben Simmons camp is basically saying, trade us, and he is not going to show up for any games. It doesn't matter the money you take from him. The Sixers – they want to get the value that they believe they should get for Ben Simmons. How do you think this is going to end up? I, I don't see Ben coming in. I, I would think at some point the Sixers will be tired of dealing with it and they'll make a trade and it may not be the value that they want, but it gets the headache out of their hands. Um, and, and that's just how it is sometimes. Sometimes you just got to get the headache off of your hands so you don't have to worry about it. The, the way that I looked at it was I, I, want, I don't want my players having to answer these questions about Ben Simmons every single day. Have you talked to him? Was he coming in? What do you think? I don't want to have to deal with that. I want my players to be thinking about winning basketball games. Um, and because Ben's situation and all the media that surrounds it, I don't know that they've been able to focus on that quite yet. And so I would want it to be over, but I'm also not the one <laughs> that has to pay these contracts and have to worry about the picks. To me, it makes sense to get it over. But if you're Daryl Morey and Elton Brand and those guys over there, they're probably thinking, we got to get the most we can for this guy because we're really close to being a championship basketball team. I remember, you know, you wanted a raise in your contract. Can a guy like Ben Simmons for $300,000 a game at some point really sit at home and let that money go? He's, he's trying, he's trying. <laughs> I think we'll, we'll find out pretty soon, but listen, Ben Simmons is young. He has a long career ahead of him of making money in his mind. It feels like he's thinking it's going to be worth it in the end, that he'll get out of Philly and hopefully get to a situation that will complement the way that he wants to play basketball a little bit more. Um, you know, this is a long term game for him, especially in the NBA with those contracts are guaranteed. It's a long term game. So a couple thousand dollars, a couple million dollars this year doesn't hurt them as much as it certainly hurt 
it hurt me not being able to get to some of those game checks. Man, this is spoken like a professional athlete because if it's me, three hundred thousand dollars a game, I'm out there. But you're right, I'm, I'm not. I don't have a hundred fifty million dollar contract. Well, that that makes a big difference. One hundred fifty million bucks. I didn't have that either. That 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 makes you start thinking a little bit differently about things, and and that I think that may be part of the case here. Would you have uh, gone back seeing the NBA money? Would you have been an NBA player instead of an NFL player with the amount of money that they're getting? I would have played baseball. Is what I would have did. Wow, really? I would have went and played baseball because um, their money is very similar to the NBA money. Guarantee less wear and tear in your body. You can play a little bit longer as well. I, I would have went and played baseball. Yep. Well, I would have loved to have seen that. Would you Would you have stolen some bases? Stolen bases, played shortstop, got been the best defensive shortstop in the game. Probably would have hit about 275, 300. You know, stole a bunch of bases every year. Perennial all-star. That type of caliber baseball player. Yeah, that's who I would have been. Oh, man. <laughs> I'm mad. I love it. Confident. I love that. Ozzy Smith. I would. I, that's who I would have been. I would have been that guy. <laughs> wow. I love it. I, I'm picturing, like, when I saw those Allen Iverson videos of him playing other sports, I would have loved to have seen you play baseball. That would have been a real treat here in Philly. I might have to, I might have to pull up some videos around here somewhere. I might have a couple. <laughs> hey, before, before I get your pick, um, it kind of just came into my head, that, that story of back in the day. Would you share that story one, one more time about that check that, that wound up in your account from the Eagles? I don't know that it's much of a story. They, they you know, when you get signed, um, you get signing bonuses. And for me, they gave me one, I'm not sure the year, let's say 06. And then the following March, they gave me another one. Um, Actually, I think how it went, they may have given me one like the first of the month and then maybe the 15th of the month, they gave me a, another one. And they didn't realize it until the next year. Um, so, I, I mean, I appreciated it. I thought it was like, I thought it was a favor. I thought they, you know, wanted to give me a little extra. So I, I didn't have a problem with it. But they they found a way to get their money back. The Eagles are pretty good at that. They found a way to get their money back. And, you know, that's how that's how the business goes. See, I think if you ask the average person and they see a check come into their bank account, like, I don't know where this is coming from. Do they do they call the place and say, hey, uh, you put this in my account. Maybe you didn't mean to or do you just you let it go. Do you call your boss if, if you put an extra paycheck in your bank account? Do you call him and say, hey, do you want this money back? Or you say, hey, if they find out about it, they find out about it. I, I would have done the same thing. <laughs> I would have done the same exact thing. And I think if we did a poll, I bet you like 95% of the people would have said, hey, th this is in there for a reason. Let it go. Yeah. Felt like found money to me. Felt good. <laughs> well, hey, Brian, it was great catching up with you. And uh, we love hearing you on uh, the radio here in Philly with Mike Missinelli. Uh, it's also on NBC Sports Philadelphia. And give us an idea doing your work with DraftKings this year. Uh, it looks like the Eagles are what? Four-point underdogs, four-and-a-half-point underdogs. Uh, I know you played – for the Eagles, uh, who would be your pick this week? I'll take the I'll take the Eagles on the four points. I, I think they got a chance to keep this thing close. Listen, that offense looked good um, this past week. If they clean some things up, that they have another touchdown or two in the football game. I give them a, a fighter's a puncher's chance in this game. I'll take the four points in the Eagles. All right. Yeah. Do you think they're going to be favored in, in more than a game this year? I mean, if they have a home game, maybe in division, is there any other games? They'll, they'll be favored in the Jets. They yeah. probably will be favored in the Giants game at home. Um, and that that may be it. So, I mean, they'll be favored in a couple of games here this season. But again, a team in transition, 
It's not supposed to be favored. It's supposed to be the underdog. They're supposed to, uh, no one's supposed to think that they're going to win. They'll end up winning six, maybe seven games a season, and we'll see how they do in the offseason. All right, and it's going to be fascinating to see what they do at quarterback, what they do at other positions in the draft next year, but we got a season to look forward to. Hey, thanks a lot for the time, and uh, we'll look for your work with DraftKings and uh, keep hearing here on NBC Sports Philadelphia, Mike Missinelli Show. Thanks so much, John. Take care. All right, appreciate the time. Who am I? I'm the greatest. Who am I? I'm so flagrant. <laughs>